uh, Jim, it's wonderful to have you uh, here. Um, so in a managed Kubernetes environment, the cloud provider takes care of the control plane, but you're responsible for the worker nodes and what you're paying for typically in, in your monthly bill is the worker nodes, right? In Kubernetes, there's pod security standards and a pod is a group of containers. So each pod, there's an element called a security context. And that has, you know, several different settings in Kubernetes, which users are responsible for configuring and setting. It is in so, Kubernetes, um, the API, the interface uh, that's exposed is declarative. But what that means is because Kubernetes is a platform for building platforms, it has gobs and gobs of configuration, right? And, and not all of this configuration is what developers care Kubernetes. for. And so by the way, Kubernetes from... is no longer just about running apps. Um, it's also about running, you know, managing infrastructure, um, it, it, about provisioning, you know, infrastructure with IAC type controllers and, and like the... So, Telco world is an acronym called FCAPS, right? So it's like fault, configuration, accounting, performance, and security. And those are all of the things you want to think about when you're operating and managing a system. I feel so, cloud native is moving us back into that direction where it's saying, look, security is a platform engineering concern. It's not some separate team sitting in an ivory tower that's telling us, you know, thou shalt do this or do that. That's not going to work. Hi, everyone. Uh, thanks for joining me in today's episode of Scale to Zero. I'm Purshottam, co-founder and CTO of Cloudenix. Today, we have uh, Jim Baguardia with us. Uh, Jim is the co-founder and CEO of Nirmata, the Kubernetes policy and governance company. He's an active contributor in the cloud native community and currently serves as a co-chair of Kubernetes policy and multi-tenancy uh, working groups. Uh, he's also a co-creator and maintainer of uh, Kiverno, the policy engine built for Kubernetes Deb DevSecOps teams. Uh, Jim, uh, Jim, it's wonderful to have you uh, here. For our viewers who may not know you, do you want to briefly share about your journey? Absolutely. Thank you, Puru, and thanks for having me, and thanks, everybody, for joining. Um, so I started my journey and you know as a software engineer, software developer, and I'd still actively code to get involved in you know some of the product aspects, especially on some of our open source projects. Uh, but by background, um, you know in my in my career, I started off you know working on telecommunications, network management type of systems. So building centralized managed planes for complex systems, distributed, uh, systems which are mission critical 24-7 always on and lots of interesting lessons learned in scalability high availability security which you know of course now if we fast forward to our current domains of cloud technology uh, and cloud native technologies like kubernetes containers uh, some of these patterns still of course uh, apply but in many different ways um, in there Makes sense. So uh, one of the things that you highlighted that you still code, I, honestly, I was not expecting, uh, but it's good to see that you're still coding because it, like as an engineer, it makes us happy, right? It makes us uh, feel uh, that we are contributing directly. So I, I can see that. Uh, so uh, let's get into the episode, right? So the way we do it is we have two sections. The first section focuses on mostly uh, like for today, it would be Kubernetes and misconfiguration security. 
and the second uh, part would be around uh, the rapid fire so okay i want to start with uh, kubernetes right like kubernetes is now has become the de facto like orchestration platform for applications and when it comes to kubernetes there are two ways users can deploy their workloads right one is you use a hyperscaler managed offering like your eks for aws gke for gcp or aks for azure or let's say you do your self hosting like you go bare metal for edge scenarios and stuff like that so maybe let's start with cloud like the hyperscaler managed offerings uh, when it comes to the cloud right generally all the clouds have a shared responsibility model they publish that does that apply to kubernetes as well yes it does right and and kubernetes in fact um, you know has a interesting architecture where you have the control plane elements which is where things like your api server and everything in kubernetes goes through the api server um, as well as things like scheduler so added scots kubernetes as you you know probably know is a bin packing scheduler right so it it does placement uh, of resources you're trying to configure onto machines that and nodes that are available. So all of these components, they run in the control plane. And the control plane also has a database. etcd is the default database. Um, so in a managed Kubernetes environment, the cloud provider takes care of the control plane, but you're responsible mm-hmm. for the worker nodes. And what you're paying for typically in, in your monthly bill is the worker nodes, right? So everything mm-hmm. from configuring the worker nodes, securing the worker nodes, to running workloads in Kubernetes, everything above the control plane, it's the uh, the user's responsibility to secure, uh, to manage, and to scale. So that shared responsibility model that you you know rightly pointed out does apply to Kubernetes, and in Kubernetes you can think of it very broadly as the control plane configuration, and then. Uh, the data plane configuration, which includes the worker nodes and the workloads. That that makes a lot of sense uh, because that's what they abstract anyway, right? Uh, but some organizations are often unsure uh, about it, uh, like what is covered, what is not. Uh, yeah. So how should they uh, think when they are, let's say, um, getting into a digital transformation mode and they are moving to cloud and they're trying to deploy their workloads. How should they uh, think about it so that they make sure that they are secure and they are also covering uh, their workloads? Yeah, so great, you know, great points because Kubernetes is by default insecure, right? And even if you're using a managed service, even though the cloud provider might be securing, again, some control plane components and you might not get access to etcd or the scheduler, the users, the customer is responsible for securing everything else. So the best way to think about it is to start with, you know, in Kubernetes, there's pod security standards. And everything in Kubernetes, every workload, the basic unit of deployment of operation is a pod and a pod is a group of containers. So starting mm-hmm. with you know basics like you know making sure first of all your container images you would want to scan them for vulnerabilities before they get deployed then you want to make sure that once you know you have sanitized those you've done the you know image scanning um, when the container uh, is deployed in inside of a pod 
you have the correct pod configurations. So each pod, there's an element called a security context, and that has mm -hmm. you know several different settings in Kubernetes, which users are responsible for configuring and setting. So if you don't set those, the defaults are not secure, uh, and that's something to remember. But Kubernetes, uh, the community and the Kubernetes authors publish with every uh, version of Kubernetes, something called the pod security standards. And then you can have admission controllers, policy engines, or other ways of enforcing these pod security standards. Um, in mm -hmm. prior versions of Kubernetes, there was a built-in object uh, called pod security policies, and that got deprecated. That's replaced now with pod security admission. But you have to still opt in. You have to make sure pod security admission, first of all, your service provider is enabling that, and you have to make sure that it's not set to privilege, which means allow all. So you want to mm -hmm. set it to a secure default, something like restricted, or if you you know want something a little bit more relaxed, there's a baseline configuration you can use. So those are just very basic best practices for pod security. Mm -hmm. But then beyond that, you know, a, a pod is just again a single. Uh, maybe one or more correlated containers. You typically have workloads in Kubernetes like deployment, stateful sets, uh, and those will have services. You typically we will have an ingress uh, for external traffic. You will have RBAC roles. So there's several configuration objects, right? Uh, just for a mm -hmm. single workload, you might have like a half a dozen to maybe you know uh, a dozen or two dozen uh, objects that you have to configure. So making sure all of those are configured correctly is extremely important. And that, you know, is something, one of the reasons why sometimes we folks will say Kubernetes seems complex is because of all these mm -hmm. moving pieces. But there are, you know, there are, it's, um, it's complex because it's solving a complex set of problems and there are solutions to each one of these things, which are fairly simple to, you know, um, configure and to install to get to secure defaults uh, for your users uh, within the enterprise itself. Mm -hmm. So uh, the first thing that you mentioned, that was very important for uh, everybody, right? That by default, it's not secure. Like it's your responsibility to make sure, like there are so many configurations, you have to make sure that you apply the right configuration so that you make it secure. So that's a key thing, right? Often we assume that, yeah, it is secure. Uh, I just need to make, just follow what's uh, deployed, right? But that's the key one. The other thing that you highlighted is around your workload side, right? image scanning. So we'll, we'll talk about that uh, in a bit. Uh, but one of the keywords that you used quite a bit is the configuration, configuration or misconfiguration, right? And I want to talk about that a uh, little bit. And like similar to cloud misconfiguration, Kubernetes is also uh, prone to misconfigurations. And I think there was a study uh, recently where um, it was said that around 70% of the Kubernetes issues are because of misconfigurations. So how should that be avoided? And what best, best practices would you recommend um, teams follow so that they set it up the proper way? Yeah. Yeah. So maybe, you know, it's important to step back and also understand why Kubernetes has 
so much configuration that you know gets required right and also you know who's responsible for some of this configuration so one of the things you might have heard is in kubernetes um, the api the interface uh, that's exposed is declarative and you know in programming there's two ways of doing apis or two even in programming language you you will hear there's declarative programming languages and imperative programming languages. So in a declarative approach, you are telling the system or the compiler or the, you know, whatever you're interacting with, the desired state you want to get to. And it's the responsibility of the system to figure out how to get there, right? So you're mm -hmm. just specifying your desired state to say, here's what I want. Um, in an imperative, you know, approach, you are giving one instruction at a time to the system on how to get to your desired state, right? So very different approaches of APIs or interfaces in general, and Kubernetes follows a declarative approach. But what that means is because Kubernetes is a platform for building platforms, it has gobs and gobs of configuration, right? And, and not mm -hmm. all of this configuration is what developers care for. So if you're coming from a PaaS world and you have done nothing in operations or security, you're going to look at Kubernetes and it's going to be scary because it's like, what is all of this? Why do I care? What is SecComp and do I need to configure this? Why doesn't somebody else do it for me? But that's all there for a good reason. It's there because, you know, sysadmins have been configuring this in, in a traditional uh, path system. So similarly in Kubernetes, if you kind of think about it, Kubernetes is the first platform truly built for DevSecOps, right? And it, it addresses the concern of developers, operations, as well as security. And to do this, it requires lots and lots of configuration, right? And it, it does this in a manner where you are specifying the desired state and the system is working hard. The controllers in that control plane that we, we talked about are working hard on your behalf to make the current state match your desired state. So, so given that background, Kubernetes you know, has a lot of configuration, hundreds of API objects, and plus it is extensible. It allows add-ons and custom resources and things like that, which add mm -hmm. another layer of configuration, right? So this is why you know, Kubernetes can seem like, oh, it's so easy to misconfigure, or maybe it's not secure or not giving you all the defaults, right? So mm -hmm. that is a big problem, but the solution to this, and when we you know, looked at this problem, and again, coming from a, you know, an operations and management background, um, and having sort of you know developed systems in, in telecommunications and others, um, policy was always you know a major part of those systems, right? Because if you think about like how a telecommunications or a telephone network works, it's always lights out management. There's remote offices in places you cannot physically get to very easily. Right. And you want to, and there's a small team. It, it's you know it's amazing how small of a team manages like a global network, right? And and those networks have to stay running. It's like, you know, life critical uh, that you have, you know, connectivity and uh, communications available. So to do that, there's always redundancy and the policy-based uh, management is very important, right? You cannot go and manually configure these things over and over again through thousands of deployments, right? So you want to set your policy. Mm -hmm. 
and the system takes care of that for you. So when we looked at Kubernetes, you know, and, and as we were trying to solve some key problems for our customers at Nirmata, we said, why can't we apply the same approach? Why can't we use policies to solve this major problems of misconfiguration? And that's kind of, that was the you know, thesis and the idea behind Kiverno, which is the open source project that Nirmata built and then donated to CNCF. Makes a lot of sense. One thing that stood out from what you said is that Kubernetes is like the first platform which is built for DevSecOps. And when we talk about that, there are like developers who are building capability in Kubernetes or security teams who are trying to secure that workload or operations team who is trying to keep the platform up and running, right? And each of them have different goals and objectives. Uh, like according to you, how should they work together to make sure that the the Kubernetes setup that they have is secure? Right. Yeah, and, and again, going back to this, you know, as we were thinking about that fundamental problem, because just let's let's take a you know uh, example of a pod. Within a pod, like mm -hmm. I mentioned, there's a security context that the security team cares very deeply about, right? They want to make sure that each pod is securely configured. It cannot elevate privileges. It cannot access like your host namespace, things like that, right? Mm -hmm. um, but then within that pod, there might be some mount points that the operation teams cares about. Maybe the operations teams want to inject like some, you know, the, if they are using a custom CA, they might want to inject certificate uh, routes for that CA. And that's what they're managing, right? But then mm -hmm. the developer cares about their image, like maybe if it's a Python app, they want to know which version of Python, which image, and others. So now you have three mm -hmm. people managing one piece of configuration, right? And uh, or three roles, uh, you know, trying to manage this. So the okay. best way, again, we believe to to manage uh, and to um, allow autonomy, but still alignment across these roles is through policies. So if you set up policies mm -hmm. where security says, I, I want to make sure that that you know security context is is the way I want it, um, and you know mm -hmm. maybe then um, others want to say that you know I want to make sure that my CA roots are injected. The ops team wants to do that, and then you know like um, uh, the developers are still managing parts of that config, but policies can then overlay on each other. And the entire, when the pod is delivered, it's configured based on the organization or compliance, you know, best practices uh, that is required within that deployment, right? Or within even that cluster. So it could be environment specific, could be, you know, configuration uh, based on, you know, where the deployment is. And of course, there's regulatory compliance and other organizational best practices that may apply. Yeah. So one of the things that you highlighted is pod security, like when it comes to, let's say, pods, focusing uh, on the right configuration of your security context. Are there any other areas that the team should keep in mind when they're working together, when they are trying to deploy uh, the workloads? Absolutely. Right. So every every, uh, you know, resource or object in the Kubernetes API will have similar security, you know, sort of related configurations. So you and, and sometimes, you know, there is 
other configuration which can indirectly impact security, right? So there might be things, for example, um, like if you're not configuring resource quotas, like you know requests and limits for memory and CPU, then one workload can impact the performance of another workload, or a malicious user could you know launch a denial of service attack by just spinning up resources, which consumes all the resources in the cluster, right? So there are the other configuration aspects of a workload which can impact mm -hmm. security. Similarly, like if you're using ingress, there's, you know, CVEs on ingress controllers. So depending on which ingress you're using, you want to make sure you're not allowing things like, you know, again, you know, running scripts, etc., which may be able to do a container escape uh, and, you know, get to your host cluster or, or the underlying, you know, kind of uh, file systems, etc., in your host namespace, right? So every layer, if you're now, you know, beyond ingress, if you're running service mesh, that has to be secured. If you're using Kubernetes, and by the way, Kubernetes is no longer just about running apps. Um, it's also about running, you know, managing infrastructure, um, it, it, about provisioning, you know, infrastructure with IAC type controllers. So if you're doing some of those, and let's say you're provisioning an S3 bucket using a project like Crossplane in Kubernetes, you want to make sure that S3 bucket has the right configuration, it's encrypted, maybe it's in the regions that you allow, things like that, right? So the list keeps mm -hmm. going on and on uh, where all of these uh, in each layer of your system, the security uh, best practices have to be applied through configuration and ideally through policy as code. Mm -hmm. Oh, one thing uh, that you mentioned, right? It's not just that you uh, set the policy security uh, pod sec security context properly and you are secure. There are other components which can impact how uh, the security of the overall cluster is uh, set up. Uh, one of the things that you highlighted earlier, and I, I want to dive a little deeper onto it, is the workloads, right? Like every like uh, we deploy images as uh, to deploy our work. So and as part of our uh, code or images, we sort of uh, tend to use a lot of uh, open source libraries or third party um, dependencies or base images. And we have no idea of the source or vulnerabilities that they have, right? And this sort of leads to supply chain attacks. Uh, I think in one of the recent studies by Anchor, they highlighted that 85 to 97% of enterprise code bases use open source. And 62% of organizations have been impacted by supply chain attacks and which is like three out of five companies, right? So how should uh, like folks address this concern? Yeah, those statistics are scary, but they are, you know, they are a big concern in the industry and the there's always like, you know, I guess bad news and good news, right? So, so of <laughs> course, like you mentioned, uh, everybody should be alarmed by this. And the challenge, what attackers figured out is, you know, if you think about in the last few years, um, you know, CI systems have become extremely powerful. And mm -hmm. you know, as much as we have, you know, kind of um, improved in securing production systems, um, that Jenkins server sitting in somewhere, somebody's data server, when was the last time it was patched and upgraded and secured, right? So uh, mm -hmm. that, that you, know, uh, you know, attackers have kind of figured out 
that one way to get to production systems and perhaps an easier way is through the CI systems and CI CD pipelines, right? So like you mentioned, you know, if your application is composed of hundreds of open source packages, how do you know a library that you're downloading is actually the library you're downloading and doesn't, you know, if somebody has spoofed that or injected some malware or something like that, um, it can be trusted. How do you know that the image you're deploying on your cluster is actually coming from your, you know, build system and it's it's um, secured and it has been scanned, right? So when mm-hmm. we talk about supply chain security and just in the last, uh, this is not a new problem, but it, it has escalated mm-hmm. dramatically in the last few years. Uh, but so have the solutions to this, right? And there's, um, you know, of course, uh, within the Cloud Native Compute Foundation, which Nirmata, you know, is a part of, and what we, it's within a lot of the projects we contribute to, um, including Kiverno as well as Sixstore, which is another organization in the Linux Foundation. Um, there have been tools developed to, you know, help with all of this. Uh, there's also OpenSSF, which is another, you know, kind of uh, sub-organization within the Linux Foundation. So the way, you know, the basics, um, you know, steps to take to start securing your software supply chain is to sign and verify images, right? So signing the images at build time with, you know, a private key or with, you know, some form of keyless signing. Sixstore has a very, you know, clever solution of keyless signing where it integrates with OIDC, which could be machine identities, right? So this doesn't have to be a user identity, could be a machine identity that the build system or a worker node within a build system gets, uh, and you are able to trust it to say, yes, this image was built on a machine that I trust, and then you you have you know want to also attach other metadata um, and sign metadata to create attestations, which say yes, I know where this image was built. These are the attributes. This is the script that built it, or this is my you know GitHub action that built it. This is the user that invoked the build. It was done on a main branch. And once you have all of this metadata as signed attestations along with the image digest, which is signed, you can verify all of this through policies. And this is where Kiverno, mm-hmm. the pro, you know, the Nirmata project comes in, where you can then, before admission into your cluster, Kubernetes allows you know admission controllers to run which can do multiple checks on your images, check for the signature, check for the provenance, check for other attestations. You can even do things like, hey, I wanna make sure that at least two people in my organization have reviewed this uh, before you know, the, the code was deployed, right? So um, given, you know, after checking all of this, if you're now allowing the image, that's the mm-hmm. first you know, step in security. So starting with the signing verification, thinking about what attestations. But then you also want to run these checks periodically because as we know, um, you know, once an image has been deployed, there might be a new vulnerability, a new CVE. Mm-hmm. And in that case, you want to periodically run these scans and, and Kiverno can pull this data from your OCI registries, make sure that there's no new you know, um, issues, or if there are, uh, then it will you know, start flagging those. Now, going beyond the basics, you can even do things like attach S-bombs as signed attestations, 
uh, and verify those. So there's a lot of interesting things being developed. And in fact, there are some mm -hmm. standards being developed by OpenSSF to provide various levels of compliance um, you know, to these, you know, to these different security checks that can be performed. So uh, I like, uh, mm, like, I will definitely take a look at the keyless uh, signature of the images because that helps a lot, right? Uh, and using some of these attestations, like, uh, was it from my main branch? Who invoked the, the uh, build and stuff like that? And uh, I think it all ties back to the policy, right? How do you configure the policies uh, when it comes to your Kubernetes uh, setup? Uh, the way you gave an example, like in the admission control check for, for or like have a policy in place so that you can check that the image signing was done properly. Uh, and not just at the deployment time, but also at the runtime, uh, like periodically doing the scan. It makes a lot of sense. Um, so uh, I want to... Pivot to, uh, so initially we talked about there are two ways of deploying Kubernetes workloads, right? So we spoke about the hyperscaler managed uh, Kubernetes. Now, maybe let's talk about the second way where you roll your own or self-host it. Uh, this might be useful for when you are trying to learn or you have edge use cases or you have bare metal use cases and stuff like that. Uh, so the recommendations that you have been sharing, do they apply to the self-hosted Kubernetes as well? Uh, and how, how should uh, like practitioners think uh, when they are thinking about managed offering versus self-hosted uh, uh, Kubernetes setup? Yeah, so certainly there are you know several use cases where you might want to, like you mentioned, install and manage your own control plane. Um, and in there, all everything we talked about still applies, right? So everything about pod security, about you know so software supply chain security, workload configuration, best practices, all of that applies. But in addition, you know, I would also strongly you know recommend using things like CIS benchmarks for Kubernetes, which cover the control plane configuration and best practices, right? So every every component in the control plane, like the API server, the scheduler, the you know, other controllers, CIS benchmarks has you know the the recommended configuration settings, and you can run tools like at Nirmata. What we do is you, we will run scanning tools, which collects all of this information and also reports you know on the control plane whether it's configured to to comply with the cis benchmarks so that would be a good you know starting point and then of course if you're managing the control plane uh you most likely have also your your worker nodes as well as your control plane nodes you want to make sure that your etcd is secured and not accessible uh, because that's where all the data lies you want to make sure that you're using a proper host security. So it, of course you don't want attackers to get to your control plane component. Mm -hmm. So there's, there's more layers that you would want to cover, which of course, if you're using cloud, you still need to you know think through all of that, but there are, you know, the cloud provider may provide some tools or, or some help with, with um, you know, securing the infrastructure layers and other aspects. Okay, uh, that that makes a lot of sense because in a way, the the things that uh, hyperscalers were abstracting, it's now your responsibility, right? You have to take care right. of those. So you need to look at CIS benchmarks and all those uh, 
areas so that you can uh, improve. Um, so last question that I have, and this is around the culture, right? Like security is mostly seen as a culture. Uh, and what we have seen is most organizations, when they're doing a business transformation process, they focus on deploying their workloads to the cloud environment first, and security comes to mind later, right? And we see that with the Kubernetes as well. Uh, what would you recommend uh, organizations to, uh, so that they can change this mindset? How can teams work with, let's say, their management to bring awareness around Kubernetes security? Yeah, so I think in many ways, Kubernetes and cloud native does help with this. And one thing I often wondered about, and I don't, you know, I don't come from a pure security background, more from an operations and telecommunications, like I was mentioning in that domain, where security is considered part of the management uh, plane itself, it's considered as part of you know the operations uh, team's responsibility, right? So it was mm -hmm. always strange where if you kind of step into our world of IT and there, where security was seen as a separate function. And I mm -hmm. often question, well, why is it a separate function? Why isn't it just part of operations? And in, in going, you know, in, in like the telco world, there's an acronym called FGAPS, right? So it's like fault, configuration, accounting, performance, and security. And those are all of the things you want to think about when you're operating and managing a system. So going back to your question, I feel cloud native is moving us back into that direction where it's saying, look, security is a platform engineering concern. It's not some separate team sitting in an ivory tower that's telling us, you know, thou shall do this or do that. Yeah. That's not gonna work. It doesn't, you know, we know the problems if you take that approach. And that's why, you know, we kind of moved from, uh, you know, separate teams to DevOps and then DevSecOps. And now uh, everyone talks about platform engineering in the cloud native space, because that's bringing it all back together and saying, Look, this is something fundamental you have to think about as a day zero concern from the beginning. And you cannot just defer it to some, you know, few people who are going to run some audits on your system later. That doesn't work. Mm -hmm. So I, I feel, you know, with, you know, in cloud native, there's a few principles and recurring themes you will see. Right. And one of these themes is everything as code. Um, so infrastructure as code, policy as code, uh, and even in some ways security as code, right? And compliance as code. So um, going to that, you know, what you can now start doing with Kubernetes native policy engines like Kiberno is you can manage um, the security concerns, these policies, just like you would manage your workloads and just like you would manage your code. So they go through code reviews, they go through automated testing, they go through a release process, and it's really part of the same system. So that is an amazing step forward, I believe, for the entire industry. And it's really, you know, I, I feel platform engineering teams embracing security as one of their core function, functions is what's required, right? And it's not, again, delegating that to a separate team is not going to work. So it's it's very interesting, right? Uh, because of your background, you see it, uh, security as, uh, not as a separate function, but rather part of the platform engineering, right? Uh, but I, I, I wish everybody would look at security the same way. We would be in a much uh, secure world. Uh, but yeah, um, that makes a lot of sense. And that's a great way to end the security section. Uh, here are uh, a few of which stood out for me.
The first one is for managed Kubernetes, hyperscalers are sort of responsible for control plane, key value store, like HCD. But when it comes to security of the workloads or worker nodes, it's the user's responsibility. Second one is in case of Kubernetes, uh, like securing Kubernetes, best practice is to implement a few pod security policies like resource quotas, resource limits, uh, signing of images, and checking for CVs for the ingress controllers. The third one is to avoid attack on workload security, one of the measures is to use image signing. And SIGStore offers a keyless signature approach uh, using the manifest. Uh, it should be uh, taken a look at. Um, so let's let's move to the rapid fire uh, section. So the first section. So the first question is. If you were a superhero of cybersecurity, which power would you choose to have in you? Um, yeah, so I think um, infinite kindness, you know, because again, and it's not just cybersecurity, right? But it's also uh, dealing with, of course, in everything we do, uh, you know, working with uh, folks from uh, several different aspects, like domains, different skill sets. Uh, you never know what the other folks are going through, right? So having mm -hmm. that patience, having that understanding, um, I think is probably the most important power. Yeah. No, you are spot on. Like have the having the empathy uh, when you are working in a team or across teams makes a huge difference. Um, so the next one is, what are some of the blogs, books, or websites that you go to to stay up to date uh, when it comes to Kubernetes or uh, Kubernetes security in general? Yeah, so with Kubernetes, um, most of the Kubernetes tech community you know, is fairly active still on Twitter, even with you know some of the recent uh, shifts away. So that tends to be these days at least one of my number one you know sort of news sources. Also, there's tons of great books. Uh, I was just reading, um, you know, a book on continuous compliance, which um, it's called Investments Unlimited, and I'd highly recommend it. It's kind of like the Phoenix Project, but more with a security aspect. So it's talking about, you know, how um, you can have great DevOps practices, be very agile, but if you ignore security, you're going to, the business, you know, can suffer, right? And it talks about mm -hmm. that from a very interesting storytelling perspective. So I definitely I'm enjoying reading that. And there's several, you know, just uh, what we're lucky is, is, is of course, uh, just through blog articles, other things that people are sharing in the community and through different projects, there's so much knowledge to be gained. Uh, thank you for sharing. Uh, we'll make sure to tag the... Uh, books when we publish the video. Um, the last question is uh, a one-liner quote that keeps you going. So something I recently saw, and this was on LinkedIn of all places, um, somebody had shared a quote from Michael Caine, like the, the movie actor. And he said, um, uh, you know, one of the things he uses in his career and, and life is use the difficulty. Um, and I found that very, you know, kind of appealing. 
uh, where you know he talks about, of course, and you know whatever we're doing, there's always difficulties, there's always challenges, but it's how you use the difficulty to kind of plan your next move or to get ahead or to you know kind of um, you know embrace that and and you know move to the next phase matters, right? So use mm-hmm. the difficulty. I found you know a very memorable and uh, sort of a good quote. That seems very powerful to me as well. Yeah, thank you for sharing. Um, so yeah, thank you so much, uh, Jim, uh, for joining us and sharing your knowledge. Um, it was very insightful. There were there were many things that I learned as well as part of it. Uh, so thanks for coming to the show. Thank you, Puru. Uh, and to our viewers, thanks for watching. Hope you have learned something new. Uh, if you have any questions around security or Kubernetes in general, share those at scale20.com. We'll get those answered by an expert in, in the space. Uh, see you in the next episode. Thank you.